Howdy, fans! You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Left circle, Stamkos. Holds, holds, shoots, scores! Stamkos! Again! The latest lightning news, interviews, and more. Wow. With your host, Greg Linelli. That's great, folks. That's great right there. On Lightning Power Play. I've got a pretty simple question on my Twitter page right now, and I'm curious what your take is. Does Tampa Bay have a weakness on their team? And I know a lot of people, the more critical ones, will sit there and say, well, let's wait and see what they have to do in the playoffs before we really make that assumption right now in the regular season because we've seen what this team has done in the regular season compared to what they've done in the playoffs. It's been night and day. And I always come back to people that make that point because part of me says, yes, last year was a complete debacle. I think we all acknowledge that. I think the players and coaches acknowledge that. But it's almost like people forget that this group of of players on this team and coaching staff, at least John Cooper, had won a lot of playoff series before last year's first round sweep by the Columbus Blue Jackets. And I feel like a lot of people take that series and that loss and just kind of generalize when it comes to Tampa Bay struggles in the playoffs as if this was a team that lost in the first round of the playoffs every single year. Keep in mind, a couple of those years, they were one game away from playing in the Stanley Cup Final, and the one year they were in the Stanley Cup Final and lost to one of the best Chicago Blackhawks teams we've seen in quite some time. So I think that notion that Tampa Bay has underachieved in the playoffs, I'm not sure that's completely accurate. I will say being up three games to two against the Penguins and the Capitals and having an opportunity to close it out on home ice is no doubt a disappointment But then again, Pittsburgh and Washington both won the Stanley Cup that year. So you can say that Tampa Bay lost to the best team in the league. I don't know if Tampa Bay outside of last year has underachieved in the playoffs. I think last year's loss to Columbus has somehow made people think that's been the case. And I'm curious what your take is on that as well at Greg Linelli. But when we talk about this year's team and weaknesses... Of course, we want to see what they're going to do in the playoffs for sure to make that assumption. But I think right now, in terms of regular season teams, getting Blake Coleman, they've basically addressed any type of weakness that they may have. I think the other area they could probably address if they wanted to, and I know Eric Rowlandson has a poll question right now on his uh, Twitter feed regarding what should Tampa Bay do when it comes to the trade deadline. Um, Do they need to go out and make another move? And it sounds like needing some depth, maybe on the back end, is somewhere and something that Tampa Bay should address. And I don't blame you for thinking that, but I don't think it's a weakness. I mean, if we start talking about Tampa Bay's ninth or 10th defenseman having a big role on this team, the chances are they're probably in, in pretty tough shape there on the back end to begin with. I don't care how good or how deep your team is, particularly in a salary cap era, You can't have all the bases covered, even if that means for a team like Tampa Bay, having your ninth or 10th defenseman being pretty good. I think in today's parody-driven world that we live in today, when it comes to the National Hockey League, Tampa Bay is as close to a complete team as you will find. And for me, I don't think they have any weakness right now. At Greg Linelli on Twitter, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. I am still interested to see where Blake Coleman plays I understand with John Cooper, he's a guy that likes to switch the lines up and switch up the personnel, and I don't blame him for doing that. But I think with 20 games remaining in the regular season, it's probably something that John Cooper and his staff need to come to an agreement on when it comes to who's going to be playing with who. In other words, I think 20 games is probably a good test for John Cooper to stick with some lines to see if there is some chemistry. And right now, the Lightning, 85 points through 60 games, while they're not necessarily competing for Boston to get that number one overall seed. I mean, yes, in some ways they are, but it's not like it's something that uh, if they don't get it, that we're all going to be disappointed. I mean, the reality is that uh, would you rather take on a Toronto team or a Florida team uh, in that first round, or would you rather take on, as it stands right now, 
the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't know. Columbus is kind of hanging on in the background back there, and wouldn't that be interesting if somehow Tampa Bay and Columbus would do battle? And I wonder if that's a matchup that Tampa Bay wants in the first round. Maybe it makes you a bit uncomfortable, but because of what happened last year and because I think this team is different, I don't know about you, but I think that's a matchup. I would absolutely want. At Greg Linnelli on Twitter, if you want to get in touch with me, you can. Kaylee Chelios, lightning reporter and broadcaster, will be coming up in our next segment. Also, too, Chad Schnarr from Bold Prospects. He will join me in segment three. Curious to ask Chad who that next player in the lightning organization is that other teams would covet. And is there a player that Chad has soured on, maybe in the lightning organization, that other teams maybe would not and that would make a pitch to bring in that player via trade if Julian Brisewell decides to make another move. Tampa Bay takes on Vegas tomorrow. And again, I think the question becomes, where does Blake Coleman fit in when it comes to line combinations? I think he's a guy that, uh, personally, I would play him on a third line with some more skill. But if he's a guy that gets on a fourth line with Cedric Paquette and Pat Maroon, he certainly gives that line a different dynamic. I'm curious what your take is on that, and we'll discuss that moving forward. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Kaylee Chelios, Lightning reporter and broadcaster, is up next on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Kita Kutrop, left circle, cross ice, Johnson, right circle. Jump score! Oh, what a snipe! The latest news, interviews, and more with your host, Greg Lanelli. He would not be denied! On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live continues here on a Wednesday. Greg Linelli with you. We've been talking a lot about uh, the question we have today, really, after the Blake Coleman trade. Does Tampa Bay, in your eyes, have any weaknesses? It is uh, an interesting development because this team has won a franchise record 11 games in a row. They've been arguably the best team in the regular season over the last two years, and they go out and get Blake Coleman to address maybe a little bit of weakness in the bottom six, but I think the team is... Pretty well covered, but you may have a different opinion. Hit me up on Twitter, at Greg Linnelli. And here to talk about that question and so much more, Lightning reporter and broadcaster. We miss having her on the uh, the away games. That would be Kaylee Chelios joining us here via the phone line. And Kaylee, first off, great to be with you again. And let me weigh, have you weigh in on that, that question of the day so far uh, for today's show is, uh, does Tampa Bay, you think, at this point, have any really noticeable weaknesses on the roster? Or do you feel like they covered it with the Blake Coleman trade, adding some depth scoring? Hi, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Um, I actually think that adding to the bottom six was a really great addition, and he's also a player who can move up and down the lineup, as we've seen in Jersey and throughout his career. But, um, you know, I think there were a lot of UFAs, good budget players you know we were looking at some of those west coast teams on that last trip i was on both on san jose and the kings but i actually think coleman you know for the price too and what julian obviously knows what he can do with that and the salary cap you know challenges he's going to face next summer it was a really good addition i mean he's kind of one of those players not necessarily his style like as much as a jay beagle type player but someone who you can rely on to compete um and, and bring you know what Coleman said he was going to bring as well. And that's, you know, an all or nothing type attitude. He's got that playoff like compete that he talked about. He's great on penalty kills. He's tenacious. Um, he knows this team. Well, he played against John Cooper and junior. So he's familiar with the way he kind of runs the ship. So I think he was a really great addition. I think that the bottom six maybe did need a little bit more size grit. Um, you know, someone who can play maybe a little bit heavier game than what our current bottom six forwards especially with how young you know Carter Verhage and Stevens are Coleman adds not only some of that heavier style play but also some experience so I don't see any other weaknesses per se I know there was a lot of conversation and questions for Julia Julian regarding the blue line I really like their blue line I think they found great chemistry and great pairs unfortunately they hit the injury bug this season and many of these players McDonough, Ruda, Coburn now um you know, at the same time, however, they're expected to be back by the end of the regular season. The Lightning have positioned themselves playoff-wise in a really good place right now to not have to, um, you know, worry about playing catch-up or playoff hockey at this point in the season. They're 
um, nearly a point ahead or they're about to pass, you know, the Boston Bruins and, and they've really made a huge leap here on this 11 game win streak. So I don't really see any other weaknesses per se. I know Julian said not to hold your breath about making another big move. I don't think they need to. I think it's just going to be interesting to see how last year's um, playoffs affected them going forward. How are they going to enter it with the mentality? They've been an interesting team because they've come so close and lost to these cup winning teams in recent years. So do they have, the kind of chemistry and, and the ability right now, if they can stay healthy as well, because that's so much of what playoffs is to make a deep run. I think they do. It'll just be interesting kind of team wise, how they can rally behind uh, another successful season, really, even after a slow start, they've been pretty incredible as of late. Well, Kaylee, let me ask you this. I mean, we know John Cooper, like a lot of NHL coaches mixes up the lines, but let's say for the sake of this discussion that he keeps the Braden points line intact. And let's say, um, Anthony Sorelli, Alex Kalorn and Andre Pilat are together. When you take a look at the third and fourth lines, do you feel like there is a better combination out there than some other ones? In other words, does now Tyler Johnson become that third-line center with Blake Coleman and somebody else? I mean, how do you look at the bottom six in a perfect world, which I know we don't live in, but if, if, you, had, if you had your choice, who's filling out the third and fourth lines to start to see if it works? Well, I think Coleman would be an excellent addition on that third line. I think it'll be interesting because the Lightning have kind of had, and if you're a coach, I'm sure it's a good problem to have, but they have really seven top six forwards, you know, potentially eight depending on, you know, the matchups and who they're playing against and everything. But they have a lot of talent and a lot of talent in the center position as well. So someone like Tyler Johnson has been kind of fighting to get some more minutes as well, and he's a goal scorer. But I think as far as the third and fourth line go, Coleman would be an excellent addition, you know, to that third line. It'll be interesting to see, too, how, like, him, Yanni Gord, and even a Mitchell Stevens, who I think has been consistently playing really good minutes. He's playing in different situations, all situations. His skating ability and speed has been on full display as of late, something we hadn't seen in the past. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how Coleman works with those players and I think they they all that you know grinding fast pace hound puck hound type um, characteristics and elements to their game they like to play the cycling game they like to be that puck possession line but they also um, you know as you mentioned they're really strong and they have maroon if you throw in there too they have that ability to make plays and create really dangerous scoring chances uh, so I, I think it is going to be interesting Moving forward, I love seeing Florin and Sorelli together. I think that's those are an important pair to put together. They play on they have great chemistry. They both um with the way Alex Florin playing playing, he's been absolutely outstanding. I thought he was the best player on the ice for the Lightning, um, in the game against Colorado. So I think those top two lines, if they continue to keep the point stamp with Kutrov line, look solid. I think Coleman with like Pat Maroon and then keeping you know, or or mixing it up to maybe adding a little bit more physical presence in Pat Maroon on the fourth line and keeping someone like Stevens or Carter Verhage on the wing, probably Verhage with Coleman and Gord. That's really interesting to see where he slots in. But I think, like you said, the way and the style that the, the bottom six for the Lightning play, I think those players are very versatile and that they can play at the wing, they can play at the center. They all play a pretty similar style. Um, and as of late, I think they've been really good at not just possessing the puck and making other checking other teams really well, but, but also creating scoring chances. There's a lot of skill um, in Verhage and, and Gord too, even though he was in that huge goal slump, he was pretty much doing everything but score um, on it, including plenty of grade A chances and opportunities. He just wasn't able to execute. I was wondering too, do you feel like there's a player that's going to benefit the most because of Blake Coleman? And maybe it could be a trickle down effect where, um, it's the fourth line getting a boost because somebody that was on the third line goes down to the fourth line. I guess we won't really know, but do you get the sense, mm -hmm. maybe, Kaylee, there is maybe one player or two players that may benefit the most of having Blake Coleman in the lineup? Yeah, I think time will tell, but, I mean, he's a talented player. We, we saw him, we've seen him with New Jersey the last couple seasons, and he's someone who's really hard to play against, and that's someone who I think fits 
kind of the characteristics of a Yanni Gord, um, you know, and, and even a Pat Maroon too. I mean, they're, they work hard and very different players, Maroon and Coleman, but I do think you're getting another, another player who can skate and these, you know, as, as Julian said, an energizer bunny. So I think those two Gord and Coleman, I'd be interested to see working together in tandem. And then you put a player like, um, Pat Maroon or even Carter Verhage who can score goals and you just have him kind of be that guy that you can lean on to find the soft areas of the ice and get him the puck much like a Cedric Paquette too that's 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 going to be really interesting actually to see how Paquette um you know who's going to play on either side of him too he's kind of been a staple for that line it's really not the fourth line it's been the Paquette line the last few seasons um, and he can pretty much play with anybody so I do think Coleman has that ability to elevate other players like you said, only time will tell to see, you know, how quickly he can generate some chemistry and what better game than in Vegas against Vegas after the last time we saw them. It's going to be a really good high-speed team, but I, I do think that he has that ability to make the players around him better and, and especially their compete, and they already have a lot of compete from what we've seen this season from players like Gord and Stevens who are, who are really fighting for minutes. Kaylee Chelios joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live, talking about the Blake Coleman trade, among some other things. Kaylee, let's take a look at the team right now. And boy, they are playing as well as we've seen. And you really just do get the sense this is a different team than the one compared to last year. And it's just, I think in an era where there's a lot of parity for them to be this good, it does speak to how good the organization is. I know people want to look to the playoffs and say, you've got to finish it off and win a Stanley Cup. And I understand that. But just taking a look at the regular season throughout an 82-game schedule, the way they've dominated the regular season over the last two years, really in, in a couple of different ways, I mean, it really does speak to how good this team is in, in a league where there is a lot of parity. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think you can't overlook the regular season. I think last season was pretty incredible, and there's only one other team, the Detroit Red Wings, who were able to do that. And, you know, that was a, a dynasty team and a team that for a decade had tremendous hockey, a lot of championships, and some great players. So I think that you can't overlook, you know, just how impressive this team is from an organizational standpoint, how, how much depth they've had up and down the lineup, versatility and prospect pool. When you combine all those things and you look at the Lightning in the last few years and the way Steve Eiserman and now Julian Breezebois, who have been working together for so long, their scout scout staff, Stacey Roost, the, the roster that they've been able to put together and be able to stay competitive and maintain their core assets like a Stamkos and Kucherov and Hedman, and still just add around them and add these young veterans um, like Shattenkirk and McElhaney and Pat Maroon, who can just make them better without having to sacrifice, you know, key elements of their team or key players on their team. So I do think there's something to be said about, you know, how well and, and how strongly built this team has been, how competitive they've been for years now. I think it's been obviously very difficult for them to have come as close as they have almost worse than some of those games, obviously. I don't think you ever forget a Stanley Cup final like 2015 against the Blackhawks when you lose. That stays with players maybe longer than getting swept. You know, that was embarrassing, of course. But, you know, for them, I think, yes, one of the worst parts was just how talented the team was and to get swept in four was, I'm sure, incredibly embarrassing and frustrating. But they have the ability, you know, on paper, this looks like a Stanley Cup winning team. Can they go the distance this season? I think they can. I think that they have all the intangibles. I think, like you said, they've been a team that's not necessarily changed so much as they've just improved defensively. You know, we heard from Julian and Cooper at midseason talking about the amount of penalties they're not taking this season and, and the amount of games they're not having to rely on Andre Vasilevsky. And when they have had to, Vasilevsky has now returned to peak form and is playing outstanding, you know, without comparing him to last season. He just looks so poised and, and so calm. He has that ability to give the team confidence. They've had a really tough schedule this season. And I think, like you said, they've not only shown that they're a better team. I don't know that they've changed so much as they've just improved defensively. They don't have to rely on Andre Vasilevsky for as many games than when they have had to rely on him and, and needed him on the penalty kill for those timely saves. He's been there, as has McElhaney, and his last few games has really been impressive to watch, especially even in that win against Colorado. That was a really good team and another standout game. If you look at the first 10-game win streak, what they were able to do to Vancouver and Arizona, who were 
two really good defensive teams. Vancouver obviously is top four offensive team at the time, top four power play when they beat them and they hammered them nine to one. Maybe the, the wheels fell off a little bit, letting those four or five goals in that short span in the second period. But then Arizona, one of the better defensive teams, they came in and did an excellent job against them. And they are finding ways to win those two to one, three to one games, which they didn't have to do last season and they didn't do. They found ways to outscore their opponents. Yes, it was a you know, it was impressive numbers offensively for everybody, individual honors obviously, and we saw the recognition at the end of the season through the Vesna and Ted Lindsay and Hart Trophy for Nikita Kucherov, but now it's uh less about the individual numbers I think and the team is just thriving right now off their confidence and their ability to win these games right now. Play really physical, which I think they lacked a little bit towards the end of the season, not not because of the capability last year. Um, but they just, you know, especially in the playoffs, like Julian said, they really didn't play their best hockey. And I think this year they're starting to play with that physical presence. You have players like Chernak and Sergachev taking their games uh, to that next level, especially Mikhail Sergachev and what he's able to do, um, adding that physical body and the way he's been playing as of late. That type of style is going to be so important down the stretch when you're battling in the playoffs. So I think they've made not necessarily as many changes as they have just really strong improvements um, defensively the way they're playing and finding ways to win. Well, before we let you go, let's stay with that. Who do you think has made the biggest jump back there defensively? Because I feel like you can make the obvious choice, which is Mikhail Sergachev, but then, you know, did Tampa Bay really think Kevin Shattenkirk was going to get back to where he was maybe playing at St. Louis when they signed him in the off season? And, did anybody envision Jan Ruta taking the steps he's taken this year to be a top four defenseman on this team? I feel like, Kelly, there's three or four guys who have taken not small leaps in their development, but pretty big ones. And I'm not sure uh, as a team, any team can count on those type of leaps in somebody's progression year in and year out. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Obviously, I think Mikhail Sergachev kind of takes the cake in terms of how much he's elevated his game and his value that he brings every night. And being able to play in all situations has been huge. He's being trusted and over time he's being trusted on the penalty kill. He's playing two minutes more a night than he did from last season. His numbers are better. So, I mean, he's obviously been incredible to watch, mature, his confidence. Um, that he's playing with. It's kind of a type of swagger, and I think the ceiling is so high for him. I'm I'm excited to see him continue to grow throughout the rest of the, the years coming up, and he's got a, you know, he's in a contract year, so he's playing for a lot, and, you know, he's a very bright, young, talented defenseman. So, obviously, I think he's, he's the easy pick for sure, but like you said, I think, you know, clearly a healthy Kevin Shattenkirk on a team that's not forcing him to put you know, the weight of the team on his shoulders and have all that pressure on him to be the go-to guy on the power play and, you know, playing top four minutes, playing in all situations. That's kind of where he was in New York. And I think coming to a team like Tampa was so great for him and his career, especially now that he's healthy. The bounce back season he's had is awesome. But I do agree. I think what you said about Jan Ruda has been exceptional. I don't think we saw, you know, maybe his ability to have the kind of chemistry and play the way he does. I think he doesn't get enough credit for his speed either. Um, I know that was something that, you know, people had talked about coming over to Tampa, but I think he's been really good playing with Victor Hedman. He he knows, you know, when to back off. He makes great reads when Victor Hedman wants to jump up in the play. You know, he plays it smart. He covers all the, you know, Victor Hedman can cover so much ice and he's got that long reach. So, or any defenseman, you know, you want to play with someone like Victor Hedman, of course, but it also takes someone who's smart and knows their role and, and knows when to jump up, when to let Victor do his thing um, and, and really just provide support for him. And I think Jan's done a tremendous job at doing that. Unfortunately for him, you know, he had that untimely injury, but had it not been for that, I think he would have continued to stick in the lineup regularly. He proved to consistently be able to do what he's doing, uh, you know, and he earned that trust too, I think at the end of the last season, when he was playing in the playoffs amid some injuries as well. You know, he's he's a compete guy. He's very well liked in the locker room. And to be able to step up there and play top four minutes like that, I think he's been extremely impressive. Well, Kaylee, we always appreciate your time. We miss you on the road games, but obviously it's for good reason. We hope things continue to go well, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you uh, throughout as the season continues to progress for the Lightning as we head into the playoffs. So thank you again for coming on. We always appreciate it. 
Thanks, Greg. All right, there she goes, Kaylee Chelios, lightning reporter and broadcaster. We always enjoy having Kaylee on. Up next, Chad Schnarr from Bolt Prospects will get his thoughts on Blake Coleman. And was the return too much to give up in Chad's eye? Of course, he follows the prospects better than most. And we'll get his take on that when we return on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Shot taken, Morgan! What a save by Vasilevsky! No rebound! The latest news, interviews, and more. No. With your host, Greg Lanelli. Really? On Lightning Power Play. All right, all right. Lightning Power Play Live continues on a Wednesday. We are uh, talking about Blake Coleman. We are talking about the Lightning's win streak. Our question of the day, does Tampa Bay have a weakness this year? Give me your thoughts at Greg Linelli. Thanks to Kaylee Chelios, who joined us in the previous segment and joining us right now, as he does every week from Bolt Prospects. Check out that website. Good content. Our good friend, Chad Schnarr. Chad, anytime prospects are dealt, I always think of you uh, in a positive way. It's not a creepy way, in a positive way that, um, (laughs) you know, makes me think, okay, I wonder what Chad thought of this deal, even though you and I do converse on the show and sometimes uh, off the air as well. I think to get uh, a pretty big piece in today's market, you've got to be willing to part ways with some pretty good pieces. And as long as you have the assets to do that and you're willing to do it, I think you can get your guy. And I think that's probably what we saw in the Blake Coleman trade, don't you think? Yeah, they they got who they wanted. And I'm sure they looked at they're, – they're always so thorough. I'm sure they looked at anybody who could be available and then the contract structure, um, both in term and cap hit, and identified – um, their potential targets and then rank them. And they likely had Blake Coleman way up top because of that cap hit number and the fact that he's under contract for another year. And last week you and I talked about if, if you were to acquire like a Josh Manson, part of the, the marketing of that trade would be, look, you just traded for this guy for three years or, or two more playoff runs after this one, not just one. Uh, So that's why he was worth the price. Um, So I think they got the guy they wanted. I think that going in, they had three or four elite pieces that they could trade like that. The highest pieces that they could move Two first rounders, uh, Nolan foot and Cal foot. Those are the two top prospects as well as uh, the two first rounders this year, because they hold more value than the first rounder next year. because it's more immediate, obviously. And to use two of those for one player that's not a sure fire first liner or a top uh, two defenseman or, or four defensemen, um, that is a hefty, hefty price to pay. Now, I, I do agree with Julian Brisebois when he says um, we have to give this group of players more of a chance. I do agree with that. I do agree for for with uh, going for it. Uh, and if if the Lightning win the Cup this year, no one's going to bat an eye. But if they don't win the Cup, it's going to be a little harsh. It's it's different with prospects, Greg, in that if Corey Conacher gets dealt for Ben Bishop, the Lightning uh, fan base knows Corey Conacher. Um, they see how well he's doing in the Rookie of the Year race, and they're upset because they know Corey Conacher more than they do Ben Bishop. And they like Corey Conacher. So that's why that deal was criticized. Um, And we've seen other deals the same, but no one really knows Nolan Foote. They don't know that in the World Juniors, he took a major step forward in his his general rating amongst the scouting community with how well he did on on Canada's top line. And his shot had a little bit quicker release than they thought, and, and skating was better than they thought. And he was moving himself into being a top 25 to 30 overall prospect in the league. Um, So to give up a guy like that, most of the fan base doesn't know how big of a deal that is, but it's a huge deal to give up him. And and to New Jersey's credit, that's an excellent piece to put next to Jack Hughes for the next 10 years. 
But you don't make that move unless you're ready to win a championship. And if you do, it was worth it. And I've got to even admit, Chad, even if they don't the next year and two when they have Blake Coleman's rights, if they don't, I'm still a fan of what they did because this is about winning cups. And as you know, prospects can be turned into assets. Nolan Foote might be a good player down the road, but we know Blake Coleman is right now, don't we? Yep, that's true. Um, there's always, you know, you're paying scouts for projections. Um, Nolan Foote is projected to go higher, but you know, you look at any first round of any draft and some of the guys you go through and you don't know who they are anymore. And some of the guys are like, oh, well, he was Eric Carlson. He was way down here in the first round, but he's behind five guys who never even made it. So you don't know. It's an inexact science, but this, this is very similar to the Ruslan Fedotenko trade that uh, Jay Feaster pulled off where he got a guy who wasn't as highly thought of as others in terms of being a forward who could be a top liner. Um, He ended up being a middle sixer and he paid a huge price for that, but we all know the ending to that story. And I hope that the Blake Coleman story has a a similar, um, not necessarily ending, but a similar uh, ring to it. And I always say this, Chad, for those who sometimes get married too much to the prospects and are always hesitant to part ways with guys in the, uh, the system of the team that they follow at the NHL level, is that if you believe in Al Murray and his scouting staff, then yes, the loss of foot hurts, but it's not like they can't find talent up and down the lineup uh, in a given year. It seems like even if Tampa Bay were to give up a few more prospects, the scouting department is in place where they can probably overcome some of those holes pretty quickly in a year or two because of Al Murray and what he's been able to accomplish. Yes, and not only that, they've been able to identify free agents that are um, uh, in the junior ranks or in the college ranks, and their recruiting of those agents to sell the lightning to them has been fantastic and the latest being Alex Barry Boulay, who's a two-time AHL all-star and he's getting close to being NHL ready. He's a different player type than Nolan foot, obviously, but yeah, absolutely. And I'm certainly not opposed to trading Nolan foot, nor am I opposed to trading a first rounder. It was just those two together for one piece that doesn't look like an elite piece. It's a very, very good piece that will help them win. Uh, it was just those two together that still is that, that shock from the sticker price on that. We've seen that with other teams this year that are going for it, that have had to give up quite a bit. What does that tell you outside that it is a seller's market? Are more teams putting more of an emphasis on draft picks and prospects because of the salary cap? Is this a product of parity? I think so. Yes. And it's almost like the, it's a it's a double-edged sword, kind of. And I think the Lightning are to blame for some of this, too. Um, in, a, in a good way? No, maybe not a good way, but I'll, let me explain. So on one hand, you have to circumvent the salary cap by having young players come in. And this is what the, the Iser plan was about. You would have a certain amount locked up on your, your top 12, and then you'd have younger players with good talent because you've drafted well coming in for cheap. Like Braden Point, the uh, a couple of years ago, was by far the biggest value in the NHL. If you can hit on something like that once in a while, maybe not to even Braden Point standard, but you're doing well against the cap. And, and Pittsburgh and Toronto are all going to have to do that um, in the coming years. On the flip side of that, I think you're seeing more teams being willing to trade more at the deadline or before the deadline to go for it because while nothing is guaranteed, the lightning last year showed that nothing is guaranteed at all. If any team in recent memory should have had a long cup run, it was last year's Tampa Bay Lightning. And they did the absolute worst thing possible, getting swept in the first round to an eight seed. So there's the parody again. So that just shows you how much they're willing to pay to try to put themselves over the hump. And that's any team, not just Tampa Bay. Chad Chenard joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live. Uh, Chad, I haven't done the, the legwork to see if this is true. It's just my estimation, but I'm curious what you think, if you have a strong opinion on it. We have seen... Um, 
the training regimen and the maturity of a lot of first round picks over the last few years because of the amount of money that's poured into certain individuals wanting to become NHLers and uh, have the instruction and the tutelage to be really good hockey players. And I'm wondering, are we seeing less and less first round picks become busts over the last few years because, because guys are more mature and have a higher skill set than maybe in years past? I think there's some legitimacy to that. Yes. Um, and what you're seeing is in the past, you'd have a guy who a first rounder who wouldn't make it um, at all. And now you're seeing, well, there's first rounders and they may not be top sixers, but they're at least going to be uh, third or fourth liners at worst or depth forwards at worst, or, you know, maybe they're instead of a three, four defenseman, they're more of a five, six or a six, seven, eight. Um, I think you're seeing more, uh, not guarantees by any means, but you're seeing more of them make it just as you said, for a variety of reasons. I think the scouting is better because the visibility is better. I mean, with the internet, you can watch guys all over the world um, in the days of Rick Dudley going to Siberia and finding three guys that he'd draft in the seventh round that no one had literally ever heard of uh, in the scouting community, um, those days are long gone because you know of them all right now. So all of those combinations um, kind of add up to that. When you take a look right now at the Lightning system, who now becomes the number one prospect, assuming Nolan Foote was? And... Um, who's the next prospect? I guess it depends on the team, but who is overall the next prospect that you think teams should be inquiring about because of their ceiling and skill set? Uh, Cal Foot moves back into the top spot. Uh, Barry Boulay is up there as well. Tyler, uh, uh, Taylor Radish is up there as well. But um, oftentimes in in uh, prospect rankings, you'll you'll see them separated into tiers, and some are in an elite category, and some are in great, very good, good things like that. The Lightning don't have anyone that's in elite. Um, Nolan Foot uh, was was pushing that. Cal Foot has fallen just a little bit, but he still looks like he's going to be a fine middle pair defenseman at least at the least. Um, with the Lightning right now, um, who they're looking at if they think that someone like Sammy Walker has a really high ceiling out of the University of Minnesota or um, Alnafelt out of Sweden as the, the goalie or Trona, the keeper for the University of Denver. Uh, those guys, it, it just takes one team to really like them um, and they could go after them. The other ones, I think they all have some warts, so they're nice pieces, but I don't know that they're pieces that are going to be um, elite pieces or or really high end pieces aside from Cal foot. And if you take Cal foot out, the righty defensemen you have available to you are really slim right now. And you're going to have to start over unless you acquire one. Who is the best prospect not playing in Syracuse? Uh, probably I think Alnafelt out of Sweden. He has risen just uh, tremendously this year from going from a, an afterthought for the Swedish world junior team to starting for them and doing really, really well for them. He's in Sweden's top league now and putting up really good numbers there. He was taking, I think, the third round last year. So he's really kind of uh, popping up. Um, in the CHL, there really isn't anyone. Uh, I mean, Gabriel Fortier, uh, they really like, but he's a, another middle um, two-way guy for kind of like Blake Coleman is or Yanni Gord or Andre Palat, things like that. So I don't think there's really... Too many high-end. Um, Sammy Walker could be, depending on if you think that his size is going to limit him or not. Chad Chinar from Bold Prospects joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live. Hey, have you listened to The Block Party with Dan Girardi? If you haven't, you've missed guests like Marty St. Louis, Vinny LeCavier, JT Miller, Dave Anderchuk, Phil Esposito, and more. This week, Dan and Seth Kushner sit down with Brian Engblom, who gushed over Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev. He also talked about what it's like to get hit by a Sidney Crosby puck between the benches and what music he would listen to in the locker room to get ready to play in his day. It's The Block Party with Dan Girardi. New episodes post every Wednesday. Catch up now and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll listen to Chad Snar a little bit more in our next segment 
right here on Lightning Power Play. You're listening to Lightning Power Play Live. Crosby, open in front, backhand shot. What a the latest news, interviews, and more. Finally! With your host, Greg Lanelli. Oh, the relief on his face! On Lightning Power Play. All right, Lightning Power Play Live rolls along. Greg Lanelli with you. Chad Schnarr from Bolt Prospects has been gracious enough to hang on for one more segment on the show. What do you make of Matthew Joseph and his stock right now within the organization? It's really interesting. I never would have guessed this because he his character is so high, and it was at St. John when he was there. Uh, he can play both sides of the puck. He plays with a great amount of energy. He's got good hands. He was on Canada's World Junior Team, so you know he's good and uh, objectively good. Um, he projects to be a bigger version of what Blake Coleman is, what they just acquired. Someone who's going to set the tempo energy-wise and still have hands to do what is necessary to put the puck in the net, as well as to keep the puck out on the other side. He has just taken a step back, and I don't know if it's a classic sophomore slump, or if his role changed, or if it's just a confidence issue. But the book's not shut on him, but he's not moving his feet as much as he used to. It just seems like that chip is off his shoulder a little bit. Um, and the confidence is not there and on either end of the ice right now. Who comes out of the lineup with Blake Coleman coming in? Uh, I would guess that it's probably Verhage. Um, he's done well, and I think his confidence has grown a little bit, um, especially a little bit in the last couple weeks, last few weeks, after it took a nice jump after the Christmas break. Um, but I like the the size that... Mitchell Stevens is giving them right now, and he's such a smart player, and he's able to take face-offs. He uh, gives them a little more versatility. He can kill penalties. Of course, Coleman is going to kill penalties as well. So it gives them more experience in the lineup. And Verhage still may be a trade piece that they use before Monday, um, just because it sells well to fan bases if you're able to get a young guy with upside that's already in the NHL. And I don't think it'll hurt the Lightning to take him out of the lineup. I always think it's a tough balancing act when you're a young prospect who's more of a scorer and identifies more as a top six or maybe even a top nine, but your NHL club that you're trying to reach has most of those guys locked up to long-term contracts and are still relatively young or in the prime of their careers. In other words, I think it's probably easy for Mitchell Stevens or easier for a guy like Stevens who has a lower ceiling to make more of an impact on a team like this than it does an Alex Volkoff, who probably needs to be playing with very skilled players to show his true effectiveness. What do you make of that, Chad? Is that too simplistic to break down the difference between those two prospects? And what do you make of Volkoff right now as well? Because it really does seem like he's a guy who doesn't really have a line to go to when he comes up here and that playing in a bottom six probably doesn't show his skill set enough. I completely agree with your assessment there of um, why it's easier for Stevens to get in. And coming into this year, he was my pick to make the team for that exact same reason. He's not as flashy as a Radish or a Volkov or especially a Barry Boulet, but for what the Lightning are and what they are trying to do and that's get more defensive oriented and uh they're a fast team um with a lot of skill guys already so they need to complement that um mitchell stevens was the the easy choice i felt like because there's a spot on the fourth line he can play both center and wing he can kill penalties he can earn the trust of the coaching staff um, which is really hard to do for a rookie so I know they like Volkov and I, they like his two-way ability, but the game is moving a little fast for him still at the NHL level. And uh, while he scored 20-plus goals the last two years in the AHL, this year he's going to fall well short of that. I think he just scored his seventh the other night. Uh, granted, he spent a little bit of time in the NHL, but uh, he's way off his goals per game pace that he was the last couple of years. Um, and it could be a, a sense of um, uh, 
disappointment that he's not up with the big club or it's kind of sometimes prospects just kind of flatten out a little bit and he was on the upswing and and now he's just kind of flattened out they still like his overall raw, raw skills i've seen him mentioned in trade talks as well i think he could do well um uh, on the trade block if there's a team out there that truly believes that he can be a top six forward and not just a guy who can have some hands on the third line and he has to change his kind of player type like a matthew joseph was was kind of forced to do last year I was going to ask you my next question. Is there somebody in the system, in the Lightning system, that you think maybe the team has soured on a bit, or maybe that you have soured on a bit, that maybe another organization would look at and say, we think he'd be a steal? Hmm. Uh, Boris Pachuk, I think. Uh, he was drafted high uh, in the second round. Um, he, another guy who came through World Juniors with Canada, which is, I can't stress enough, that is one of the telltale, uh, this guy is objectively good signs. Um, it is so hard to make that team. So if you can make that team, you are probably going to play in the NHL someplace and have success. And he was on that team, Joseph Radish, they were all on the, uh, the same team, actually. Um, I think that he... Uh, has the ability to play on a second line, but he's just kind of fallen into a, a future fourth liner penalty killer right now. Um, and I don't think that he has shown enough like a radish who's come on here lately to see that he can be in the top six. So I think uh, we've definitely soured on him a little bit. I know they like Laponoff. Um, I know they like Sosanoff. But neither one of those, I, I think, are going to go anywhere. We've really soured on both of those guys. Um, but I don't think they have much value on the trade market. Chad Chenar from Bolt Prospects joins us here on Lightning Power Play Live. What do you make of Cameron Gauntz's play? He's a veteran. We understand that he's not going to be put in a position where he's overexposed. But because of his play, would that prevent you from going out and getting another defenseman depth-wise? Do you think he's a guy that could come in, if called upon, to do the job? Uh, I, With all respect to him in his career, I don't think so. Um, I don't think he can do the job. We've you know, obviously watched him in Syracuse the last couple of years. He's got some NHL uh, experience in the past. He can step in and be a little bit trustworthy, and he can move the puck. Um, we've seen game in, games in Syracuse where he has just um, been a matador on defense. And we've seen that same, those same games where he's able to move the puck really well and help the offense out. So he's a classic puck mover in that sense. If he's able to simplify his game at the NHL level, which will be and is being required of him, I think he'll be okay in spurts. But I don't think that he would overtake a healthy Jan Ruda by any means. And I think what they need, if they're indeed going for it, um, I'd like to see a little more security on the right side uh, than Ruda and especially Gaunt. What do you think separates a Gaunt from, let's say, a Jan Ruta, who basically are the same age, the skill set might be uh, different, but in, uh, I'm curious your evaluation. What has made Jan Ruta so successful outside of obviously playing with Victor Hedman? He has had a consistent approach to the game um, every game. And it's, I'm not going to try to do too much. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to skate well, and he skates really well, um, and utilize the, uh, my stick in a lane and utilize uh, the body when it's necessary um, and to be effective that way, not knocking anyone over by any means, but just you know leaning on guys to gain position, things like that. Uh, they really want no frills next to Hedman um, and someone that they can trust. And he's done that because he's just been patient and simplified everything in his game right now. Chad Chenar from Bold Prospects joining us here on Lightning Power Play Live. A couple more questions for Chad. We've been talking about uh, the Lightning trade with Blake Coleman and so much more. All right, when you look at this Lightning team, it is pretty remarkable what they've done over the last two years, specifically in the regular season. Is it as simple as just saying they basically are the Washington Capitals before they won a cup to break through? Do you think what they're doing is even more impressive than what the Caps used to do in the regular season? 
Uh, I think that they're more impressive a regular season team than the Capitals were back then. And maybe it was just because all the attention was being put on Ovechkin and how well he was doing racking up goals. But the Lightning's recent streak here is just, it's ridiculous how good they've been since the late fall. Um, what was it, 22-0-2 or something ridiculous like that? It's just absurd. Um, maybe there's a loss in there. So the New Jersey loss, I think, but, uh, you're not supposed to be able to have runs like this in a salary cap league. There's not supposed to be teams that are this dominant in the regular season. Um, and I saw a, a fancy stat chart today about who's good and who's lucky. And the lightning are way over on the good side and on the lucky side. And there's no one even close to them right now. They're just playing that well. And yeah, there's a little bit of quote unquote luck, although it's statistical luck, which is a oxymoron, I think. But at any rate, um, I don't I think they're better than the Caps teams were in the regular season when they weren't winning in the playoffs. But until they win a cup, they're going to get those comparisons. And I think deservedly so. Well, and I was going to ask you, too, because. I think people forget this core group of players has won a lot of playoff games, Chad. I mean, I think mm-hmm. people look at last year and, and think, well, that's what they've done in previous playoff appearances. And that really hasn't been the case. And I'm wondering, do you think it's unfair to sit there and say that Tampa Bay is more of a regular season team than they are a postseason team? And if you do believe that, do you think they've taken steps to correct that? Um I think it's somewhere in between. I think they're a combination of the Capitals and a combination of the pre-cup Red Wings, where they would go far, but they they just weren't going over the uh, over that last little speed bump. Um, what the Caps had to do was get someone like Barry Trotz in there, who um, made them hard to play against by playing a. Uh, it's not the most entertaining thing in the world, but. Um, playing more of a, a collapsing defense that muddle, muddied the uh, neutral zone to take scoring chances away. Um, and I think Cooper and company have done well making adjustments there. And when they're on their game, uh, they're doing that very well. They're still giving up probably too many odd man rushes and scoring chances or grade A scoring chances than they'd like. Um, but Vasilevsky has been bailing them out lately. And if you have a, a Vezina winning goalie on the back of something like that, your chances are really good of, of going far. So I think they've done all they can um, structure-wise. Uh, I think now maybe they need one more piece on defense, and I don't want to say they'll be good to go, but uh, they're setting themselves up as best as they can for a cup run this year. Well, we appreciate your analysis, my man, and we'll do it again next week. Check out both prospects for the latest. Chad, thank you, buddy. My pleasure. Chad Schnarr. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap it up for us tonight on the show. We'll be with you again tomorrow, Lightning and Golden Knights. Make sure you keep it tuned to Lightning Power Play for your most complete Lightning coverage. It is Lightning Power Play.